0: Welcome to Death Holler. Do you like scary movies? Welcome to Season 3. Slash or pass. There will be laughter, <laughs> tears, <laughs> tender moments.
1: Jeez. Jeez. My son. Special, special
0: boy. But most of all, screams. Remember, when you're in Death Haller, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you have a killer time.
1: So how's things thing been going, besides being sick?
0: Not good. Not good at all. Because one of the things we'll be talking about here very shortly, literally after I mention this probably, <laughs> or after you update us, is uh, one of the shows we've been watching is giving me uh, nightmares. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I can imagine which one that is. Might as well get into it. So <laughs> The Last of Us is out there now.
0: It's so good.
1: It's a, It's a good show, at least the first episode. I'm not going to watch the second one just yet. I was planning on watching it. And we may, may or may not be covering it. I don't know. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but it made me want to go back and actually play the game a little bit because um, I just if you've played it's, it's one of those things where the show is is good if you've not played the game, but if you played the game, you've you've got like a better version of it. It's almost like those people, and I'm one of those, that like you read the novel and then you watch the movie and you're like, what's this shit? You know what I'm <laughs> saying? It's, 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 it's kind of like that. Although you would think that the video game to uh, television show translation would be the best of all worlds because they're both visual mediums. Yeah. Um, and they're both long form, so it's not like you're truncating the story or you don't have to but i don't know what they they've taken out like in that first episode is to one that particularly that i'm talking about like you watch it and they padded a lot of scenes and i don't know why they did it i mean uh, their intention i guess behind the the scenes with the daughter is that they're trying to um trying to make you feel more connection to her before she's you know obviously you know removed from the story but they it's about half the length of what it was in the TV show in the game. And you're playing from her perspective through most of it. And even with that, I mean, they, they did a good job of getting you connected between her and Joel. Okay. So I don't,
0: so she was, she was a playable character in the game.
1: Yeah. You, you play her at the beginning. It's only, there's the transition, you know, in the TV show where there's the plane that, that blows up behind them and then mm-hmm. their truck, you know, gets uh, knocked over In the game, it's a little bit different. They're driving through an intersection, and another vehicle T-bones them, but it's the same result. They're flipped upside down. Tommy's nowhere to be found, and uh, it's just Joe and his daughter. And at that point, her leg is hurt because of the way that they crashed, and Ah. so she can't walk, and so he has to carry her. So then you play him.
0: Okay. So, oh, my God. But the same result happens. She's no longer a character further beyond – the beginning of the game,
1: same exact way. They, it's Holy the same. I mean, they, they held very close outside of the, all those padded scenes. They held very close to how the game begins.
0: Okay, question, and this is real important, especially to someone like me. Was the dog in the game?
1: Uh, no. <laughs>
0: Damn it, that dog was adorable.
1: <laughs> um, and the game has got way more tension than the show does in the, those early scenes. At least it did for me, because there is a there's a part of it cause Tommy connects back up with you way before he does like in the TV show. Uh
0: uh-huh.
1: Um, because in the TV show, he's the one that shows up and, you know, takes the guy back out, you know, that, that does what he does to your daughter. But, yeah. um, in the game, Tommy comes up to you and he's like, come on, Joe, we got to get the F out of here. You know, it's like, we got, we got to go on and, um, And he's, like, leading you through, like, these little side, you know, sections or whatever to kind of get away from the mess. And there's zombies chasing after you the entire time. So, and you can't do anything to defend yourself. All you can do is just run because your daughter's in your arms. Oh, yeah. And and Tommy will uh, periodically, like, pop one of them to keep them from, like, being right on top of you. But there's, especially if you're playing with audio up, you can hear them right behind you at all times. It's, like, right on your neck.
0: No, thank you. I don't like at all. Uh, this the, is one of those yeah. games that I won't be able to play at all. Like I don't even know that I can watch it.
1: And the scene right before you meet the soldier, there's like three or four of them, and they are right behind you. Like I, you, I didn't even turn around. I was like, I can hear them. I can hear them. I can hear <laughs> them. You know. And then like you know, and then you get up there, and the soldier takes them out. So you're like, Whew. but then the soldier, you know, does what he does. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah. And then Tommy
1: comes back up and finishes the soldier off like he does in the TV show.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, okay, so the for me the show has a lot of tension, and to be quite honest, after I survived the first episode, um, <laughs> it wasn't as bad. And it's a definitely one of the. It's what I like in a in a show or a film. It gets right to it. There is not a lot of time wasted. I feel like there's a lot of dumb decisions made by the fourteen year old, but. She's a 14 year old. I feel like my kids have seen enough scary movies that they wouldn't do what she did, especially if there's a dog warning you not to go over there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you talking about his daughter at this point? You're not. You're not talking about Ellie at this moment. Okay.
0: Yeah, we're talking about the. Uh, oh, excuse me. Yes, the um the the daughter in the beginning. <clears throat> so yeah, that that was rough. I had to get up and walk away a couple of times. That's how bad I was taking it. And that's not a. That's not. I've been a lot better lately in terms of even zombie films. I thought. I thought I was okay. Uh, it was rough. It was real rough. So this is a good uh, idea. Zombie season's going to be real tough. I I say it all the time. Uh, It's going to be tough. Even the goofiest of zombie films get me. So there's that. Um, I wanted to bring up real quick, since we're talking about video games, and we're talking about tension, and this isn't so much even a scary game, but um, for my daughter's birthday yesterday, no, well, her birthday was yesterday, but the day before we had gone to um, an escape room. It was an Alice in Wonderland escape room. And... It wasn't a, it, it isn't like defined as a horror game at all. And it's really not, but there is tension and there's some scary moments in it, and the scenery is creepy as fuck. It-
1: the picture you showed, is it based off of the uh, uh was it American or Lucky McGee, something like that? The, the video game was it based off the video game that came out years ago, or
0: no, it's not. Um, it, it's just a different Alice in Wonderland escape room. But my daughter dressed as that character.
1: Oh, okay, she wanted gotcha. to dress as
0: that version of Alice. She recently downloaded it on Steam, so she is playing it. It's Alice, um, goodness, hold on, Alice. Uh, madness returns
1: yeah i i remember in that one it's like she's been in a mental institution or something and like it's kind of her unraveling or whatever and that's what you're playing through the game
0: which is pretty cool so um this game uh i wasn't sure it was kind of expensive for us to all go basically you basically walk into a room you all put on a vr and you go at it and it's like Ah, shit, I could have just invited everyone over and tried to buy this game. I don't know if it is available to buy, but um, anyways, <clears throat> that being said, uh, I contributed absolutely nothing. The kids were <gasps> so good. They, so adults, they say, and this was so true, I think Noah may have solved, helped solve one thing towards the end. Other than that, him and I were walking around. He can work the controls. I don't play video games, so I could not maneuver anywhere. I was like, where are we? Where are you? You can hear each other talk, so they're like, oh my god, I see the cat. And I'm like, where's the fucking cat, you know? Um, (laughs) Creepy scene. Nothing pops out at you, which is pretty boring. I mean, that would have been cool if that happened, you know, to scare the shit out of you. Uh, Probably would have taught me how to move. But, um... Once I finally learned how to kind of maneuver around, I could at least tell them things when they were solving clues, but the kids solved everything. And it's so weird that this game, excuse me, I'm losing my voice, but this game, it specifically says parents overthink it too much and the kids are usually the ones to solve it. And that was definitely the case. Like I said, Noah helped one time at the end. I... Benny found a tree, and he's like, okay, there's this code on the tree. So once I found that tree, they were able to go to where they had to solve the puzzle, solve it while I'm saying, hey, this is what I'm looking at. This is what it's supposed to be. This is how you unlock it. That's all I contributed one time. At the end, the queen of hearts was like an evil witch, so it was fucking awesome. She was, like, (laughs) shooting things at you. She freezes you. So even though um, you're in a VR, you can't move. You're supposed to stand stationary. But she freezes you, and you can't move if she gets you. So, But she was scary-looking as hell. So it was really cool, um, and I, it is something that I'm like, God, I wish. The kids solved the, the mystery so fast. They unlocked gates so fast. It was 45 minutes. We had an hour and 30 minutes in the room to solve it. Um, but what they didn't do is they didn't stop to look around and solve other clues that would get you points in the game.
1: Oh, they okay. were just
0: so hell bent on getting out of the es- escaping the escape room, basically that there was trophies you could get and I would find things and I didn't know what they were for because if I didn't move fast enough, I would get locked in the room that I was in and I wouldn't be able to get out.
1: I, I think the reason they might <clears throat> be able to play the game a little bit better is because when it comes to that type of game, um, it depends on if you know that you kind of know like the, the tricks of the system as it were, like, Like it's almost like when you're playing a video game, and like you, you like it's one of those games that you can go anywhere, but like when you start noticing, there's like certain like ledges that are a little bit more square than others, so you know you can climb those, actually climb those, versus you know, like trying to fight your way up another one that's that's not going to work. So it's like you see the like little things that work out better in the game as you, you know, as you're used to them,
0: yeah. Uh, Also, you could take mushrooms in the game, it'll help you see the different things. And the kids were they're like, I ate a red mushroom. Whoa, I see colors. It's like, Oh, this is fucking horrible.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's insidiously trying to get your kids to get psychedelics. That's great. Um Yeah, there's a, there's a series of board games that they made there. I mean, there's several of them, but but there's one called the exit games and they come in like a small box. But like the, the main thing is you start realizing what you can do with it. Even the rules have like the clues to like solve some of the puzzles, because like when you get to looking like in the rule book itself, there might be like this random stray code that's like on one of the pages. So you, once you get in the frame of mind, you start looking everywhere. You turn the box There was a code on the box itself that had to be solved on one of them that we tried. So I mean, it's like once you start figuring out like the parameters of how the game is set up, then you can start. You know, it's a little bit easier to solve that way. But.
0: <laughs> it was, yeah, it was insane. So um,
1: I played another game recently. I've not gone very far into it. Um, it's, I mean, it's anxiety-inducing. It's called the <laughs> Quarry, and it came out on like PS4, you know, Xbox, that sort of thing. Um, it's, it's one of those games. I mean, there's another one before it. I think it's like. Uh, it's I I forget the game's name. It's something like. Uh uh, dead by dawn or, su- or something like that. But they're, they're kind of like storytelling games and, uh, how they work is that the the controls are very minimal whenever you need, like in the game, like if you are trying to jump over a twig as you're running away from something, you press up at just the right moment, of like a quick time event. And like, you know, your character jumps, if not, then they fall down and there might be repercussions, you know, yeah. the story diverges at that point. And then, you know, kind of, it's like a choose your own adventure, but it's like cinematic, you know? Um, but this particular one is like set in a, uh, at a camp, like at the, I think it's like at the very end of summer or beginning or something like that. There's nobody around. And of course you're the camp counselors getting ready to go in and there's like a series of deaths that start happening. So it's kind of got the, the, you know, the Jason vibe to it. So that's kind of what the game is. And, uh, so far, the only thing my characters have... And it's got like famous, actually famous people in the game. I mean, it's got like Lance Henriksen. It's got uh, um, Lynn Shea, who was in the Insidious movies. I mean, it's got it's David Arquette's in it from Scream. I mean, it's got legit people in it, and they look like themselves in the game.
0: No Tommy Jarvis?
1: Um, <laughs> no Tommy Jarvis in this one, um, but... It's, it's the, so far my characters have, have met Ted Ramey, who's going to be brought up on, you know, in this podcast, actually, uh, he plays this creepy ass cop that pulls you over or that comes to help you at one point, beginning of the game. And he tells you not to go. It's at night. And he tells your two main characters you start the game out with not to go to the camp and. He doesn't tell you why, but he he sends you to the, like this motel and he says to spend the night there Mm-mm. until, you know, morning. And then, but the way he says it, it kind of gives the characters the idea that if they go there, they might end up dead at that motel. So, of course, they naturally go to the camp and that's where I kind of stopped it at after that. But there's like a creepy carnival involved and it's, it's, there's some other stuff, but
0: what the hell? pretty well done. It's like a nightmare <laughs> is what it sounds like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there. We were lost in the woods because we we ran. We saw the driver saw something in the road. He swerved off the road to miss it. Couldn't tell what it was. It was a thing. It wasn't necessarily a person. And then whenever he crashed into the woods, I barely avoided hitting the stump, which would drastically damage the vehicle. But the while he was working on it, my character decided to go investigate because you're playing one of those. I don't think she's going to be the final girl because she's too nosy and while she was walking through the woods, she kept seeing this old woman walking through the woods. And like, as she was like going through there, she found like this where the remnants of this old carnival had came through. And, um, and it's like, and uh, there's like a, an escape artist, like trunk that she finds right before all these, you hear these whispers in your ears, like to each side. And then she starts running away from it. And that's whenever, like I said, you got to do the quick time events to like dodge branches and stuff like that from whatever's chasing you. So
0: Jesus Christ. Okay. So wait, <laughs> Is this, you say we, are are you playing single player? Is it a multiplayer online?
1: No, it's single player, but like there's two main characters at the beginning of the game that you're playing. It's uh, it's like a boyfriend, girlfriend. They're, they're going to be camp counselors, but they're, you know, they're early before everybody else gets there. And, um, I don't think they're going to live. I'm just, (laughs) that's just my thoughts.
0: you like, it's not going well. It reminds me a little bit of, um, Friday the 13th, the multiplayer online version. I don't know if you played that. Did you play have you played multiplayer online?
1: I've never played that. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: It is the funnest thing to watch because nobody works together. So here's the situation. There's five people. Okay. Doesn't there's no background to them. They're just out there at Camp Crystal Lake. And if the five of them work together to find the keys to the car, put gas in the car, put a battery in the car, I think that's the only three things you have to do. They could all get to the car and escape. That's the goal. But instead, it's every man for himself is how I usually notice it. Um, And usually what I have seen, what I've witnessed, and I'm sorry, women, but it's true, is you got the girl, the gamer girls who, not even gamer girls, because at least a gamer girl would know how to play or how to drive. They're the ones who end up getting in the car after it's been fixed by all the men, okay, jumping in the car, taking off by herself, and hitting something and getting killed. Like, getting killed, damaging the car beyond repair, and then she gets murdered by Jason. And I'm like, well, if you'd work together and maybe let a man drive. <laughs> and that's always how I watched it go. Usually my son is, somehow, someway, he gets the luck of the draw, and he's usually Jason or he's usually Tommy. But majority of the time... <laughs> It, it no one works together it, and he'll you'll hear him he's like guys go get this go get that he's trying to get people to listen and they're like no either they can't hear cuz they don't have the headphones or they're just like no i'm i'm good you sound like you don't know what you're doing <gasps> <laughs>
1: Well, that's the that's the problem in a lot of uh, horror movies is the characters yeah. split up at stupid times, or you know they 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 don't band together whenever they need to because of the petty infighting, and that's usually what causes them to fall apart. And, and <laughs> that's so dumb.
0: It's so funny. All right, what else um, have you watched?
1: Um, I, these are these are very diametrically opposed. But anyway,s uh, I'll go with the the weird one first, Rabid, which is a. Uh, going to be one that I'm going to bring up during zombie season because it's a old David Cronenberg movie uh who's known for his his body horror if nothing else and uh this was got it it's this woman and this guy are going out on a motorcycle ride in like the Canadian countryside they uh, accidentally run into this uh this uh truck that's like stalled out in the middle of the road it's actually it's a van i think but the lady gets pinned under a motorcycle, gets grievously injured. Uh, there's no surgery center nearby, so they rush her to the nearest uh, medical facility, which happens to be for like plastic surgery. Oh. You know, so what are <clears throat> what are they going to do? They, uh, but what what happens in the movie is that they the doctor who runs the place is like perfect is, is experimenting with this surgery to like regrow like skin and, or this this material to regrow skin. So he decides that he's going to use it to help this woman regrow her organs. Hmm that are, you know, that are, are hurt and, like, making her critically ill. So he uh, applies that, and then, like, the, the boyfriend's br- brought there too, but they transfer him pretty quickly to general medical because he, he's stable. And so while she's there, she's in, like, basically a coma, and this other uh, doctor, like, happens upon her and then realizes that, or, like, she's awake and whenever, and she's, like, she acts like she's extremely horny. It out there. and so he's one of those guys that thinks he's a casanova so he starts like you know getting super close to her well that's kind of the intent because whenever she hugs him there's this like worm-like Ooh. appendage that comes out from her armpit it's a wiener uh, yeah and it, it inserts itself into his body, yeah. it drains the blood from him, which is the only way that she can nourish herself, and he becomes a rabid zombie. And then, like, it that's that's where the zombie apocalypse starts. Anybody she feeds on turns into a zombie. Anybody the zombies bite end up becoming rabid and becoming zombies, so it, it starts to be, like, a thing throughout the movie. And um, she's basically like Bloody Mary, walk, or, you know, like, or like Typhoid Mary, like, walking around, like, sp- she's... Immune to it because obviously she's the one spreading it, but like uh, that's the only way that she she can't feed on regular food anymore. It makes her sick.
0: How did the appendage come about? Because I, I know you said that they use the stuff to kind of regenerate her organs, but how did that fucking wiener grow out <laughs> of her? Like was that a, a side effect of the? It,
1: yeah, it's it's implied in the movie because it's Cronenberg. Uh, that's what he does. But like that when the the body parts knitted themselves together, they they did it. The wrong way, and they made some kind of like feeding appendage. Rabbit wiener. Yes. (laughs) Yes,
0: <laughs> Roadie, I don't like. <clears throat>
1: um, and there's actually a, a new version that came out a few years back. I think maybe in 2020 by the Soska sisters, uh, who made like American Mary. They're like they're kind of like these emo twins that like are really into body uh, modification, you know, body yeah. mods. So it was right up their alley. So I, I I've not seen the new version of it, but they're, they go way more into that stuff than the original movie did.
0: Hmm. Pierced rabbit wieners.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically, and then the last movie I saw before, and we'll open up the doors here to the whole thing. Um, is uh, Dress to Kill, and that is a great movie by Brian De Palma, who made the original Carrie. Ooh. Um, it's uh, it's kind of a uh, slasher, giallo-ish uh, you know, there's somebody going around killing these women. And, um, it's, and it's got, uh, my cocaine in it. Uh, um, he's like, uh, this, uh, psychiatrist who's, uh, it may be one of his patients that's going around doing the killing. And, um, the, the, the thing that this movie could never get made for nowadays and would get banned instantly is the fact that it deals with a trans killer. Oh Yeah. Um, and it actually, there's one point at the end of the movie where one of the characters is talking about the whole thing and they actually explain like, and it's, it's crazy to me that this was made in like 1980 or or, yeah, I believe it was 80. And the, it, it, she explains how like trans people like go about converting, like, you know, like the hormones, like, you know, in this case, it's a man who's wanting to become a woman. And it's like the hormones they, they, you know, use and like the surgery. And it's like, they've not, none of that's changed in like that, that amount of time. Like that just blows my mind that there's no, no, like, I mean, you know, like most, most other like therapies, like they go through slight changes to where they become like less intensive, but it sounds like it's the same exact thing. Maybe it's, you know, minus a few like aftercare things. So.
0: Okay, so question, in this movie, and yes, you're right, it was 1980, the person who plays the trans killer, so it's a man wanting to be a woman, is it actually an actor that is a man turning into a woman, or is it a woman playing a person that- It is
1: a man. Okay, so it is a
0: legit man, okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure about that. I feel like, you know what's sad about that, is that I feel like in today's society, you could actually remake that movie using an actual trans person- Um, Because some of these trans, excuse me, some of these trans women, which are the um, former men transitioning to women, they still look very manly when they're not wearing their their dress up, their drag, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it could be done. The only problem I see with it is aside from if you actually do that, people would not be offended. But I unfortunately feel like the drag actor would overact it
1: well there's the possibility mm-hmm. for that but i just wonder if they would i mean and this is a whole discussion for a whole other thing mm-hmm. but um i feel like that there would be offense to it because the problem is you're making the trans character into the bad guy, guy yeah. or whatever you want to say and um and i feel like that's part of the problem now is that it's not the representation's not enough. It has to be positive res- oh, representation. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And and there's nothing in the movie to, uh, that really points the character out as being like psychotic just because of the issue of them wanting to, you know, but it's, it's more about the fact that they, the way they paint it in the movie is that they're wanting to, Uh, had the surgery to completely go that route. And yet, um, but there was like something holding them back. And then, you know, it kind of discusses that. It's more of like a mental issue for that particular patient. Mm -hmm. But still, I feel like that wouldn't be, you know, they wouldn't allow that just because they would say, oh, well, then you're trying to apply this to all. And it's like, no, it's this particular patient. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, but some people just don't get that, so.
1: Yeah. Anyways, let's open those doors up. Let's talk about some other movies. (laughs)
0: All right.
1: Welcome back to Death Holler. I am your host and resident hillbilly, the Reverend Doctor <laughs> Death, and joining me as always is the body swap serial killer, La Urena. Are you still messing around with La Dola, Urena? Uh,
0: absolutely. That is the that is the dagger of choice, and there's nothing more than La Urena. La Urena loves nothing more than to cut a bitch. Um, sometimes I cut the wrong bitch, and I I change identities completely
1: (laughs) (laughs) keeps people guessing though it's the nature of who actually the killer is so that (laughs) kind of makes it interesting (sighs) this week is a bit of a palate cleanser everybody We Uh, needed several we will be taking this season in fact um after covering half of the friday the 13th film franchise we decided to step back take a breath and watch a couple of horror comedies um and this week, those films are gro- the grossly overlooked Tucker and Dale vs. Evil from 2010 and more recent film Freaky from 2020. So let's all have a bit of a laugh and enjoy the surprisingly well-done kills, shall we? First up, though... Uh, If you're enjoying the podcast, we would appreciate it. If you would take the time to like, comment, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer, it helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. Also consider following us on social media. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter under death holler pod, and we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under death holler podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoyed the show. Um, any updates on that by the way as far as like any new markets we're in or dropping in any or
0: no we're holding pretty steady in oh god i keep forgetting is taiwan was it taiwan
1: That's yeah that's one of them
0: denmark we're back up in denmark and actual film reviews not just random podcasts like actual film reviews and then i know that our wednesday episode um is hitting high marks um i forget if that was amsterdam i i wasn't paying attention it's just america like what's up dude we're american holler <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> maybe the market's too uh congested i don't know i don't know what to say about that either
0: way we're grateful so
1: we, we are um but now let's attack those bees <gasps> what, what
0: is that what is that what is it oh no not the bees not the bees ah! I'm the bee. ah!
1: My <laughs> uh, I don't have to say that about this, ep- this particular B episode, because this was actually a pretty good movie. Um, this time I watched Intruder from 1989, uh, directed by Scott Spiegel, written by Lawrence Bender, who did the story and Scott Spiegel, who did the screenplay and the story. Uh, principal players, we've got Elizabeth Cox playing Jennifer Ross, who is our final girl, who's a cashier and uh, has some of the best screams in any of the movies we've watched recently, surprisingly. Wow. Um, She actually had, like it was in the the uh bonus features on the movie I was watching, she actually had five screams that she would like alternate between. And like one of them was kind of like a sing song type scream. One of them was like the hardcore, like the one you expect whenever you see like a dead body, you know, in a, in a horror movie, They're Just like, and one of them was almost like a whisper scream. Like she had like a list and she, she did all of them the movie. It was pretty good, actually. Wow.
0: She has, like, that's her specialty. Like, can you tell us what makes you a good candidate for this film? It's like, okay, hold on. Let me whip out the list.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she actually still had it. It was, like, this old, like, post-it note that she'd taped to something. And wow. She's like, you know, she's like, it was, like, 30-some-odd years on. And she's like, yeah, these are all the screams. And uh, she was just really good at it. Um, she was also in the movie The Race with uh, – um well, uh, Charlie Sheen uh, that's I don't know I was thinking Estevez, although that was his uh yeah <laughs> his original name before he took Sheen, I think. and then uh Night of the Creeps uh, which uh, is a pretty good zombie movie we'll be reviewing next season. Uh, Dan Hicks plays Bill Roberts, the slasher of the movie, giving something away there, but he's just so kooky it's 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 wonderful to see him in that role. Uh, plays the assistant manager and part co and co owner of the uh, the particular grocery store that the, the place is set in and uh, or the movie set in and it, he just loves that store so much, you know. That's why he kills. Okay. <laughs> uh, the the gist well, I'll get to it in the synopsis, but there's a reason why he's going around. It's not a good one, but it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> if you've ever seen Evil Dead Two, he plays the 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 redneck that. Like shows up on Ash's property with his uh, redneck girlfriend, um, and uh, he was he's also in a few other uh, Sam Raimi movies because all this crew Scott Spiegel like worked on the Evil Dead movies with Bruce and Sam, and so they're all like tight knit together. So uh, Dan Hicks also worked in Spider on Spider Man Two and Dark Man amongst other things.
0: They're butt buddies, all of them.
1: <laughs> well i mean they they all got rich together uh so i mean they they might as well you know stay together that way, <laughs> uh david burns plays craig peterson who is the red herring of the movie he plays the crazy ex to jennifer uh and kind of gets the movie started uh billy marty plays dave jennifer's love interest uh, who's also a fellow fellow co-worker at the grocery store Uh, Burr Steers plays Bub, the stoner, not Stockman. You always have to have a stoner in these movies. It's just a stock character you have.
0: He's Bub. (laughs)
1: Uh, Sam Raimi plays Randy, the meat man.
0: Of course. (laughs) Oh, here it goes. Ted Raimi.
1: (laughs) Ted Raimi plays Produce Joe, who's the goofy produce worker. Uh, basically just sits and listens to his, uh, tape recorder in his little cassette player he's got the entire time
0: oh my god
1: uh Albie moore plays officer dalton uh who's and tom lester plays officer matthews both of them were from green acres which i thought was hilarious um uh, my wife pointed out first she was like that guy looks familiar and then i was like looking it up you know on imdb and i was like well the one the older guys from green acres she's like i thought the younger guy was and i looked and i like, well, actually, they both are. So I don't know. That was just a weird little happenstance.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: then uh, Bruce Campbell shows up at the end of the movie for like five minutes and plays Officer Howard. So there you go. Bruce does make an appearance. (laughs) Uh, Synopsis. When one of the cashiers at a supermarket receives threats from her ex-boyfriend, it puts the entire night crew on high alert. One by one, they are picked off by an unknown killer. Uh, Not unknown now. You know who it is. (laughs) As they try to go about their work... Uh, band saws will slice through heads. The cardboard baler will be put to other uses and folks will end up in the half off band. Literally They're I mean, it's hilarious in that movie. Uh, will anyone make it out alive? Um, and when I say the half, half off band, like they, that's the kind of humor it's in this movie. Like one guy gets cut in half. He's in like this that gar- he's like in this garbage pa- pan and, or, you know, like, uh, and then he's got like half off, like, you know, stapled to his head or something.
0: Oh my God. <laughs>
1: Um, the movie is really interesting because Scott Spiegel was apparently one of the ones that was like, did the camera work, like with Raimi, whenever they were doing all that weird shit on evil dead. So he's doing a lot of that here. Like if he can find a way to shove a camera in like a bag or something that somebody's looking inside of, he'll do it. Okay. Um, I mean, it's all over the movie like that. I mean, there's, when you first get introduced to the killer, it's like you're inside of the shopping cart as he's pushing it through the, you know, the grocery store and then it just goes from there. Um, body count for this movie is nine. We've got Linda stabbed in the abdomen by Bill, uh, Danny, uh, Garretted with a phone. I stabbed out later, decapitated and used as a puppet. Okay. <laughs> uh, produce Joe, uh, Ted Raimi gets sliced with a cleaver and then later is chopped up. <laughs> Tim gets stabbed in the abdomen, later sliced in half. He's the half off guy. I'm t- I was talking about
0: oh my God. Bub
1: gets his head crushed by, uh, the cardboard baler which is um he just holds him there while the the baler's coming down and just crushes this you know in entire have you ever seen one of those like hydraulic presses yes uh it's they the effects in this movie were done by k a very young k and b that's the same um uh same group that it would later go on to do like the walking dead oh shit so i mean it's i mean it and they studied under um tom savini oh
0: of course i mean
1: it's it's got i mean it's got surprisingly good effects for as low budget as it is uh randy gets his head impaled by a meat hook um dave gets partially decapitated by a bandsaw and then later fully gets and is (laughs) later fully decapitated the bread delivery man just gets stabbed in the back it's one of the least impressive kills in the movie and then bill roberts himself
0: he's just (laughs) delivering the bread what the fuck did he witness the way something? They set it,
1: the way they set up the movie, he comes to the front door. It's locked. And you've got the final girl there, like, pleading with him, like, please, please let me out of here. And then all of a sudden, there's, you know, you see Bill appear behind him with a big knife, stabs him, and then, like, there's a smear of blood going down the front of it. And this Bill's, like, looking at her, like, you're not getting out of here, bitch, you know.
0: Oh, God.
1: But Bill Roberts himself possibly dies uh, from injuries after being attacked by Craig and Jennifer at the end of the movie. Um. And I like how they end this one, too, because, you know, in a lot of these movies, the, like, the police show up, and they're always on the side of the final girl. Well, in this movie, they don't. Uh, when when Bruce Campbell shows up, he treats her like she's the killer because the way they oh, come yeah. up on the scene, they, it looks like they've been attacking Bill. And there's all these dead bodies around, and so they're like, hands, you know, uh, you know above your head, you know, like, and they change, you know, and... and her boyfriend has been convicted already once of killing a person oh, so like her
0: ex-boyfriend, not looking good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean it's uh it's an interesting ending like the final girl gets like no uh, like she's like she might have killed the guy but at the same time she might be facing like you know uh, murder charges because of everything that went on. Uh, Quotes from the movie uh, from Bub himself. Uh, I swear to God, if my brother hadn't hit him in the head repeatedly with a blender, he would have killed me. And then Linda says a blender, and Bub says, yeah, um, a Hamilton Beach blender.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hamilton Beach has some of the fucking most legit kitchen products. I'm just going to throw that out there
1: they're it just surprised me. I was like they're still going strong. that company yeah you know, this many years later is still a big player in the market.
0: love their art stuff <laughs>
1: uh bill roberts uh has had the has all the best lines in the movie. Here comes fucking Parker walking down nine miles, swinging goddamn head by the hair in one hand and his sandwich in the other. He says this like two two times in the movie and then once and once in the movie he's actually he's doing the same thing he's talking about he's got the other co-owner's head like that he's cut off like swinging in one arm as he's like chomping down like a peanut butter sandwich in the other. And it's just, you have to watch it. Uh, and then finally, I'm just crazy about this store. That's how he says it. Shut (laughs)
0: up. I am done.
1: Uh, Nick Cage rating for this one. Willie's, uh, Wonderland. It's a horror film with an intentional cheese and jokes and it plays well. I mean, it, 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 it does what it sets out to do you have any intention of ever watching this
0: i don't know because we're comparing it to Tucker and Dale and i mean spoiler alert but i had a blast so
1: <laughs> i think it stands up there with some of them i mean it's more horror based than it is humor but the humor mm-hmm. is very slaps if you like evil dead it's got that type of humor to it
0: i'm you know well i'll i'll save my i'll save my thoughts for evil dead i don't want to spoil that
1: Okay, Um, moving on to the first film we're discussing, Tucker and Dale versus Evil from 2010. Um, Tagline, Evil Just Messed with the Wrong
0: Hillbillies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Directed by Eli Craig, who also did Little Evil, which we discussed about in our first season. Uh, Written by Eli Craig and Morgan Jurgensen. Music by Mike Shields. Made for a budget of five million U.S. dollars, it only made five point five million U.S. dollars. Woo! So it, it just basically made its money back.
0: Well, no, don't don't discredit it. Got an extra half a mil on top of what they it, spent. It did,
1: but it wasn't blowing the doors off like some of these other movies have. So
0: that sucks.
1: And and it sucks too because it's a damn good movie. Actually. Yeah. Uh, principal players, Katrina Bowden plays Allison, uh, who's the final girl, and she is definitely not Christine Taylor, you know, who was married to or was at one point in time married to Ben Stiller and was, you know, on the original Bra- or the Brady Bunch movie that came out in the 90s. That's not the same girl, even though she looks like she's a carbon copy of her, to me at least.
0: Hmm, I didn't catch that, but okay, go off.
1: You know what I'm talking about? Like the girl from Dodgeball that plays, yeah. you know, yeah, like I, they've got a very similar look facially. I don't know, and, um, 'Cause see I thought it was her another movie she's done is Piranha 3 Double D. And I thought that was Christine Taylor in that, but it wasn't. It was Katrina Katrina Bowden, so
0: Okay, I'm um, looking it up right now. <clears throat> Hold on. I wanna see cast, cast, cast. Cause I'm I didn't I didn't catch that. Uh, I guess not in this photo she doesn't, but okay. I didn't catch that, but
1: uh, it's just something. When she smiles, she looks just like her to me. I don't know, or like I said, like a carbon copy of her. Um, she was also in Sex Drive, Scary Movie Five, uh, Nurse, and Great White. So she's kind of got like a mix of comedy, horror, and, and and horror comedies going on. Like so, she's in that niche there. That's what she's kind of got into.
0: Piranha Three Double D.
1: Yeah, that's <clears throat> we're going to cover those movies during, during oh, yeah. Animals Go Bad.
0: Bad animals go bad. <laughs>
1: Uh, Jesse Moss plays Chad, the slasher. Um, if you're going to, or quote unquote, the slasher, uh, cause I, w- when we get into it, it's, these kids didn't really get killed by anybody except themselves, but, uh, Chad, what a name for uh, your slasher. I mean, and he, he was a Chad in this movie. Oh, he, played, yeah. he played that character. <laughs> Final Destination three and The Uninvited uh, from tw- uh, two thousand nine, or a couple of the movies he's w- he was in that were kind of horror related. We have Alan Tudyk playing Tucker, uh, the hero or one of the heroes of the movie. The he's the sensible one of the two, and he just wants a vacation home. Everybody, he just he just wants to chill out have out a few in the middle beers, of the woods have a few beers, go fishing. I mean, he's not asking too much (laughs) except for these damn kids trying to commit suicide on his property. I mean,
0: it's a suicide (laughs) pact.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alan Tudyk's been at everything. That's great in the world. Um, He's in Firefly. He was in Serenity, which is a movie that kind of goes along with Firefly Uh, Dodgeball speaking with Christina Taylor. uh, He was in Dodgeball and, there's a link to the next movie in that sense because Vince Vaughn was also in Dodgeball, so oh, these yeah. two movies had a connection. <laughs> I had no idea about until I started doing the the notes for him. Uh, he was in Night's Tale, Rogue. One. He does a lot of voice work, um, especially lately. He was in Rogue One as K Two So the the robot in that one. Uh, he played Clayface and the new uh, uh, Harley Quinn. Uh, tv show he was in doom patrols mr nobody um he was uh played king candy if you if you've ever seen uh, wreck it ralph Uh, oh my god i thought i
0: recognized that name
1: yeah he played hey hey you know who hey
0: hey is the fucking the the the, uh mentally challenged chicken chicken. (laughs) yes because disney has an obsession with mentally challenged birds i swear
1: well, and he played the 2 can in like uh what's that new one hmm. uh, the the uh, the one where they've all got powers except for the uh, uh Encanto, was that the name of it?
0: I you know, I haven't seen Encan- Encanto. Is-
1: uh, you you might not like it. It's, I don't know. It, I feel like it's kind of uh it's it's, a, it's half good, but anyways, <laughs> he he plays like he's he's got this deal going with Disney like he's done so much for them. That like they literally just give him like little bit parts and movies. I don't know how much they're paying him for it, but it's like, Do you want to play like a chicken that clucks? He's like, sure. You know, what oh you know, God. pay me the money for it.
0: He's keeping busy. Uh
1: he was in a Resident Alien that's currently ongoing going with a sci-fi channel, or was last time I checked. It's supposed to be pretty good. I've never I've not watched it yet. Uh and he played in um Arrested Development. He played like uh, the uh there's a character named Anne in the show that one of the characters dates and like her father, who's supposed to be a pastor is played by Alan Tudyk. It's kind of funny. Uh, and then he plays in, uh, dirt gently, uh, the, uh, the holistic detective, which is, uh, uh like a, a show that I think the BBC might've put on, which what's funny about that is that his co-star in this movie, Tyler Labine that we're getting to plays Dale also was in dirt gently. So it's kind of like they knew each other from that. Mm-hmm. Um and Dale, our our main hero, I guess, is is the (laughs) lover of the two. Uh, he he doubts himself through most of the movie, and he's got a brain that just works a little bit differently than everybody else's. (laughs) Uh, Tyler was in Escape Room 2019. He was in Super Troopers too. He plays like this Canadian Mountie in that movie. It's really good. He's French Canadian on top of that, so you can imagine him doing like this French Canadian accent. Oh my god. Uh, he was in little evil. We already mentioned that movie. Uh, he was in Zach and Mary make a porno, very small role. But I, as soon as I saw that he was in there, I knew what character it was. There's a character beginning of that. If you've ever watched it, uh, that they're sitting there in their little coffee shop. And this like guy comes in like real late as they're getting ready to close up from a football game. And he's like, hug it, chug it football. Like, and I mean, it's, it, it's like very beginning of the movie, but it, that's, it's Tyler Levine playing that character. Um, and then he was in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the TV movie that we have covered before. Oh, God. The one with Ryan Reynolds. He was in this.
0: (laughs) Holy shit. And
1: and then New Amsterdam, which is a TV series that I think is currently ongoing. Um, we have Philip Granger playing the sheriff, who's also the doom prophet of this film. Uh, and then we have the Suicidal Teens.
0: Quotation Uh, marks.
1: uh keelan simmons who plays chloe who's the smoker with the goods she's the only one that shows her tits in the movie but they're (laughs) they're fairly good you have to look at them from a distance but they're fairly good tits they look fake but they uh, they're big at least uh she was in final destination three as well as the character the actor who played chad and then um she was in the original 1998 miniseries i thought that was kind of interesting uh she was in supernatural with jensen and jared uh, one episode, of course, and then she was in the in the 2002 Carrie TV movie. So she's got a few horror-related things under her belt. Uh, Christy Lane plays Naomi. Brandon J. McLaren plays Jason. Alex Arsenault plays Todd. Uh, Travis Nelson plays Chuck. Adam Wilkesny uh, plays Mitch. Uh, Joseph Allen Sutherland plays Mike, and then uh, the last two victims—actually, the first two—in the course of the movie uh, are Sasha Craig, who plays the news reporter, and Eli Craig, who plays the cameraman. And I don't know if they're related with those two last names, <laughs> but they could be. It was, you know, a small, you know, production, so it's it's likely. Yeah. Synopsis: When good old boys Tucker and Dale make a Memorial Day trip up to their new fixer-upper vacation home, a group of colleagues. College kids just happen to be camping nearby. Unfortunately for our protagonist, these college kids seem to have made a suicide pact and are killing themselves left, right, and center. It is the site of the Memorial Day murders actually cursed, as some believe? Bodies will be impaled on branches, wood chippers will get clogged with guts, and cans of gasoline will be in a very, very bad location. This year, spring break is cut short. <laughs> Uh, body count 13.
0: Wow. Which
1: is sizable amount. Yes. Um, uh, now uh, the reporter and the camera operator are both bludgeoned with the pipe at the beginning, uh, in the eighties flashback, uh, one of my favorite kills in the movie is a saw blade thrown into somebody's face. Oh yeah. Uh, this eighties this dude, the eighties gal is stabbed in the neck with a machete. Um, and more current times, Mitch impels himself on a tree branch, Todd impels himself on a wooden <laughs> spear. <laughs> Mike chucks himself into a wood chipper. Uh, Sheriff Gurr uh, has a bunch of nails uh, smashed into his face. Uh, Chuck accidentally shoots himself in the face. <laughs> Chad's dad is burned alive. Uh, Jason is uh, uh, lit on fire and burned to death. Chloe is incinerated in the cabin explosion. So is uh, Naomi. And, um, I don't think, it, and, and Chad never really dies in this movie. They kind of set up the potential for a sequel because with the two people dying at the beginning of it, that it, it kind of hints that Chad's still out there, even if he is mostly burnt. Yeah. So, <clears throat> quotes, uh, Tucker, unsure of what to say the sheriff. Oh, howdy ho officer. We've had a doozy of a day. <laughs> there we were minding our own business, just doing chores around the house. When kids start killing themselves all over my property. <laughs>
0: a doozy of a day. I remember that. I was like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> uh, Tucker. All right. I know what this is. Dale. What Tucker? This is a suicide pact. Dale. It's a what Tucker? These kids are coming out here, killing themselves all over the woods. Dale. My God, that makes so much sense. <laughs> uh, Tucker. He's heavy for half a guy. That's what he's oh, the guy who's yeah. been chopped up the wood chipper. Uh, Dale the sheriff is stumbling around with a board nailed to his skull. How is he even walking right now, Tuck? Tucker. He looks like he's going to walk it off. He's going to be fine. <laughs>
0: He'll be fine. I was dying. <laughs> they were so hopeful.
1: Uh, Allison, it's true, Chad, you're half hillbilly. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. But hillbilly was like the theme of this movie. It was like it was like if you were a hillbilly, you're a Mexican and they did not like your kind, you know?
1: Yeah, and it's hilarious because it was set in West Virginia, so very, very close to where I'm at. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it, you know, and the and well, and one last quote before we get into discussing that that sick fuck he's making her dig her own grave. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know the part of the movie, it's hilarious because literally she's helping Dale dig like the the pit for an outhouse. Yeah, but... which is
0: rather <laughs> rather big pit. Like I thought they were deeper than they were wider, but okay, go off.
1: Uh, But anyways, um, I just think it's funny because what I like about this movie is that the the conceit in a lot of movies is that you've got these people from the city or a college or or something like that. And they always go to this backwoods place and the hillbillies are always like out to kill them. Like, I mean, you take like wrong turn, for instance, which we'll probably be covering at some point. Actually, we talked about covering it for this episode, but. Uh, there's just too many movies in that series. We didn't want to jump into that right now. So, but, but this movie takes that concept, which is what I love about it. And it's just like, it looks at it from the other point of view. It's like, what if the hillbillies are just fine? It's like, but the people freak out so much yeah. that they end up causing the problems.
0: You know? Oh my God. Cause the whole time they were just like freaked out by the hillbillies. Like, Oh my God. You know, it's like, they didn't even do anything. Calm down. <laughs>
1: And when they go in the store and they just see like Tucker, he's like negotiating with the, the guy at the, you know, the little general store and they, they, they give them looks like, Oh my God, they're going to kill us. And they're, they're just talking about like getting supplies for like fixing up the cabin. That's all they're doing. Yeah, but It sounds bad because it's like, we need some rope. We need some nails. We need some saws, you know, like stuff you'd use to kill people with, you know? Um, but just discussing the movie itself, visually, what do you think about it?
0: Um, yeah. Surprisingly, that the budget was only five million, because I felt like it was very well put together. Then again, they're out in the woods, so they, it's not like they were in any expensive area necessarily to shoot. But man, was it that from the from the store to the lake area or wherever they were swimming, uh, Tucker and Dale's cabin. I, I thought the scenery was perfect.
1: Yeah, there's a reason why most American horror movies, there was, there's that joke, you know, The Cabin in the Woods, that's, you know, the parody mo- horror comedy they made of it. Yeah. But there's a reason why a lot of American horror movies are set there because it's dirt cheap. I mean, you've got a secluded setting. I mean, you've got, like, a small, like, isolated little spot. It's it's real easy to film, you know, that sort of thing. So that's a lot of horror movies going back to Evil Dead, talking about, the you know, the Raimis again. You know, that's the reason why a lot of these are set in that kind of setting just because it's dirt cheap to film there. Yeah. Um, visually, for me, the movie is, I mean, it, it looks like a it, it punches above its weight is the terminology I would use. Like, I mean, it, the special effects in it are top-notch. Oh, like, yeah. Is, you know, the only problem I have with it, and it's just a minor aggravation, especially when compared to the next movie that we'll be talking about, Freaky, is that... It's, it's got that look about it where the colors are not very, like, vibrant, uh, where they're kind of washed out. It's got a more natural look to it. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but at the same time, it makes a movie look cheaper um, yeah. if you don't have, like, a lot of, like, contrast in the lighting. And it's something I've noticed in a lot of behind the scenes, like, for anybody who's interested in filmmaking in general – uh, that that's one of the first things they say is you can tell a, a cheaper movie versus a higher budget movie in the use of lighting. Because if you can get more contrast, if you can get more, you know, distinction between like the, you know, focusing on the characters versus just having the natural lighting, that's what makes a movie look, even if it's not, it just makes a movie look like it's got a bigger budget than it does. Yeah. And uh, that's the one thing that they kind of failed in this movie because it's got a lot of flat, natural lighting in a lot of the scenes.
0: God, I didn't even think about that. And, <clears throat> I mean, it makes sense. It is a, it is a cheaper movie, you know. Wow.
1: Um, go back and, and think about Friday Part 6 versus yeah. versus the other ones in the series. They look way better just because they've got, like, that super dark and the super light. And, you you know, and they, and they use the light to focus on their main characters more.
0: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. <clears throat>
1: Um, story wise, I I enjoy the story. It's it's a good switch, like yeah. you said, from the the old tropes or whatever. You're you're and actually, there's a cut of this movie that's in the trivia. But there's a cut of this movie, uh, or at least a deleted scene where it shows like Tucker and Dale from the point of view of the college kids, and it plays like a straight up horror movie from their point of view. Yeah, because they you know they they don't have the context like you do to see it from their side. But
0: yeah, I think um, in general, like watching the film, how it Kind of portrays Tucker and Dale just looking confused and looking at these people like, what the fuck are you looking at? But from the kid's perspective, it's like they're giving them an ominous look, you know?
1: Well, it's like when Dale's, when Tucker tells Dale to go over and hit on Allison at the beginning of the movie. It's like he goes over with a scythe in his hand yeah. all things, you know? And he's just sitting there going, <laughs> like that, because he's all nervous. But it makes him look like he's going to kill him. Yeah. You know, like it's, it, it's, it's a neat twist on that trope it's you know what is that mike always says on rain man if you if you know a genre well enough you can break the rules i feel like that's what this movie's doing it's from the other side of it you know yeah <clears throat> um you have anything uh about the story yourself that you want to throw in there just as uh anything you noticed about it or that you liked versus the regular you know way these movies are filmed
0: no i thought it was hilarious to use like a I mean, because you can't really. It, hillbilly is not a racial term; it's not a slur per se. I guess it is, <laughs> but it basically they took they took a whole they made a whole horror a hillbilly now is a horror genre, honestly. But they basically <laughs> took that, you know, and made like a horror comedy out of it, which is I find to be fucking hilarious because. Think of all the hillbilly movies. We could do a whole season on hillbillies, probably.
1: We probably could. A hillbilly season. And the only thing I can think of is if it comes from the point of view of who's making the movies. It's like you take somebody from Hollywood. They're used to, like, suburban, urban areas. They The few times they vacation, you know, in, like, the hills of these places, they, they when they see, like, the local people, it's like, you know, they... they and that's what I like about this movie. It's like the, in their opinion, like the people in the Hills are always standoffish to them, but it's like, you're always wondering, it's like, what did they say to them? Because like, I'm sure that a lot of these people like, you know, have are up their own ass, you know, with their pretentiousness or whatever. Yeah. And then they go into these places and they, you know, they start, they start demanding things of like the locals, you know, in the area. And like, you know, one thing I can tell you for sure, being a hillbilly is that we don't, we don't like it whenever people, You know come in start barking orders at us start you know putting down you know uh, you know the way we speak and all that stuff so i can i can see where this like genre started you take these hollywood types that's the the they're used to like wine country out in california and they come to like the hills of you know like appalachia and they're just like oh i'm gonna get killed by these people or whatever and it's just because they're being so uh some big such big assholes to the local populace that, that that's causing that friction, you know?
0: It's so funny because for as someone I'm not from LA obviously, I'm from California, but we ha California LA's in California, excuse me. Let me rephrase. I am not from Los Angeles area of California, but where I'm from, those kind of people that we look at weird that come into our area is the people from San Francisco. <laughs> Coming, flocking to our suburban, like, looking like a fucking feathered peacock, you know, with their crazy hair colors and their fucking just weird vibes, and just looking at us like, why are you staring at me, you know with their attitude and it's like well you you look like a fucking rainbow like
1: yeah they look like elizabeth banks character from the hunger games that that (laughs) announcer lady yeah like the the pink hair that's like done up to look like a flamingo or whatever you
0: know and we have our fair share of kids with colored hair out here trust me but like these people are a different vibe so and they do they come and they just immediately assume that we hate them so they start acting like assholes And so then the way they're acting is making us act a certain way. So it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't blend well.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where that, that trope comes from. I think it's, it's two different cultures like clashing because the way that they interact with one another is not the same. Like I've talked to people from uh, New York that, or actually this guy was from New Jersey, I believe. And like his way of, if he really liked you, I mean, it was, it. It takes what guys normally do to each other Well, they'll bust each other's balls, but it amps it up to 11. Like if he, if he wants to associate with you, he will dog you to like no end, but that's how they get along. That's yeah. What they do. And it's like, when you come from the South, it's like, you've got a it's, it you know, and Appalachia's included in that, uh, you know, it's, it you gotta, you gotta play the, the little uh, so much so that when we say some niceties, they're meant as insults, like, you know, God bless that person. Or yeah. like, we're not, we're not meaning it the way that it sounds like we're meaning it. You know, it's like, uh, so, I mean, it, it just, it's, it's a clash of cultures that just, you know, causes a, you know, a lot of problems and, in the interpretation. Oh
0: yeah. It makes for a really <laughs> good storyline though, as it did in this film. I did want to point <laughs> out something that I thought was hilarious. So, um, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into little details that we noticed, but I was laughing at when, um, when she wakes up, the, well, she's not even a, well, I guess she is a final girl. She turns into a final girl unintentionally. Yeah, she's,
1: she turns into one unintentionally. Yeah.
0: But, uh, she wakes up, she had bonked her head jumping into the river and You know, and they they put a bandage around her head to kind of help her heal and everything. And she has this huge, bloody bandage. As soon as she takes it off, her hair is perfectly curled, no blood (laughs) spot on her hair. So I was laughing at that. But I was also laughing at how she was in Dale's clothing and, you know, it was huge on her, whatever. But as soon as she goes out to help him dig the ditch for the toilet, she's wearing, like, these jeans that are rolled just perfectly. Like, there's no way those jeans would have fell off of that girl completely his size, you know.
1: Yeah, and they and they're very form fitting. Yes. and yeah, yeah. They're a it's, little
0: loose, but just loose enough. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I've put on my husband's pants before; they fucking fall off. So,
1: all I can say to that is, bless their little hearts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, acting in the movie—that that's one thing that the movie stands up on. The acting is great. I mean, yeah. even when it's when it's supposed to be cheesy, like as in the character Chad, it's it, it does what it's supposed to do. I mean, like the, Alan Tudyk and Tyler Labine, like they act the fuck out of their characters. Oh like, yeah, you know Tucker and Dale. So I mean, and then. Um, not Christine Taylor, uh, <laughs> Katrina Bowden. She, she does a good job as the final girl too. Like she's yeah. really good.
0: I feel like all of the characters, cause there was a lot of side characters, a lot of just, you know, um, randos, if you will. Uh, and they all did a really good job. They didn't overact. Uh, they were there for very small roles, but I think they did a really good <sighs> job portraying these stupid teenagers, these suicidal teenagers.
1: They were here for a good time, not a long time. Exactly.
0: I think they all, I really commend them because sometimes you get a role like that and you can tell the person just, they want to be noticed. And I think they just did a good job doing what they were supposed to do.
1: Those, those roles would have to be fun. I mean, in the sense that I'm assuming on paper that, that they don't really have much to them. It's just like, here's the character and they die and then like so the actor has to come up with something to kind of give them like some kind of spark of personality that sets them aside from the, you know what i'm saying yeah like they they might have some direction from the director but the some of the better movies i've seen these little bit parts like the actor will come up with like a backstory to their character and actually like i mean even if it doesn't come across entirely like there's little things that they take to, to kind of like kind of add spice to their personalities before they get ganked, you know. So Yeah. Uh, Music, uh the music was fine. I didn't really feel like I noticed it that much, though, to be honest.
0: I did because it was funny when it needed to be funny. It was, well, specifically Hillbilly when it needed to be Hillbilly.
1: No, that's true. It was that. And it so. was
0: scary when it was, when the other person was scared, but then go back to Tucker and Dale and they're just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, like, <laughs> so I think the music was... Perfectly, I've never heard a sound out of peace in this film.
1: So I will, I will give you that. It, it fit the mood for whatever. If they were going for comedy or if they were going for horror, it did fit that. Yes, I, I mean it wasn't. My main thing was it just kind of went into the background, and and that's probably a good thing. That is, yeah. The characters, I mean, uh, you know, Tyler Levin and, and Alan Tudyk, though, they needed to come to the forefront. So, and I mean, it, it played like it, a very distant background to them. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess it did what it was supposed to do in that sense.
0: Yeah, and I feel like I notice music more when it doesn't fit. And that's a bad thing.
1: That is a good point. Like if the movie has like music, like what we're talking about with some of the Asian horror films in the Ghost season, yeah. where it's like this poppy music that doesn't fit the scene whatsoever. That stands out. Whereas yeah. if it's good, thematic horror music, it tends to blend to the background. The only time that I I feel like that it there's a few times where the music like is so good, but it but those. Those particular instances, like say for instance, Psycho, like those pieces are so iconic just because like they they stand out so much on their own that they add character even when there's no character to be on the film itself. Yeah. Um and then the the theme to like the omen, there's a few themes yeah. like that, that stand out. When we get to Halloween, of course, John Carpenter's Halloween theme. I mean, like that stands out big time, you know. Yeah. But, uh, ready for trivia? Are you got anything else you want to say about the movie? Um, mm,
0: let's go. Let's go to trivia.
1: Okay. So I already said about the special feature that kind of plays it from the kids' perspective. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, the film was shelved for over three years before it was finally released. Yeah.
0: Uh, which is
1: which is unfortunate, but I mean that happens in Hollywood. Sometimes they don't ever get released. Um,
0: so it was and filmed. It was filmed, and then they just put it on the shelf like, we're not going to put this out.
1: Yeah, they were like, "Ah, we don't really know how to market this, Uh, which I don't understand because like horror comedies I feel like sell pretty well. Like For people who don't, like Megan is kind of a horror comedy in a sense that just came out, and it's doing uh, tons of business right now. I mean, they're talking about sequels. They're talking about unrated versions of that. I mean, it's, you know, so I don't understand why horror comedy was such a – was such a weird sell for them you know at the time the only thing i can think of is that and i and i don't want and this is just me you know making assumptions but somebody in hollywood was like you're making the rednecks you're the hillbillies into the good guys we can't have i don't know how we can market that that's just bullshit stupid you know and it's like
0: (laughs) um you know that's the thing is like I well i don't remember okay i didn't even know this film existed did it did it go to theaters
1: uh, very, I think for a short time, like I caught it w- after the fact, like whenever I found out about it, it was already on like, str- I was. I don't know if it's streaming, but I caught it like on, you know, like one of the, like HBO or some kind of cable type thing, I think when I first watched it.
0: Yeah. Um, so there was that, I, I don't feel like they really put it out there. And then on top of that, it's like, okay, Megan, the film, Megan talking about that, was not, in my opinion, was not advertised as a horror comedy. It was advertised as a horror. And I'm finding out through people that have watched it that it's got some comedy aspects to it. And oh, I'm like,
1: it's got a lot of comedy aspects to it. I'm I mean, genuinely
0: surprised. <laughs> so that just goes to show you, you don't have to market the film for exactly what it is.
1: No, I feel that in this case, though, I think Megan was helped by, you know, a little bit by the fact that the it's 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 not so different from what they marketed it as what malignant was. I Mm -hmm. think malignant suffered in the sense that, I mean, there's a lot of people that loves it, but it's got a lot of comedy, comedy to it as well, but they didn't, they, they way, you know, went the other way with the marketing for it, trying to make it like the next insidious or conjuring or something like that. Whereas if you watch the Megan trailer, you can see a little bit of the comedy coming through with her, like doing that TikTok dance at the end of the trailer, you know? Um. Alan Tudyk was the one that came up with the idea to pour beer on his face to uh, treat Tucker's bee stings. <laughs> I don't know if that works. It, it seems like it's a reasonable idea, though. Um, Tyler Labine uh, came up with the idea to wear a hat that says giver on it. Um, Tyler chose the chose giver, uh, chose that hat to wear as Dale for two reasons. First, it looks like the word giver, alluding to the kind of generous uh, nature of Dale. And then secondly, it is the Canadian equivalent of get her done. The I was wondering. Larry the Cable Guy.
0: I was wondering if that had anything to do with Larry the Cable Guy, which is hilarious.
1: Yeah. So it's just the Canadian equivalent of it.
0: That's so funny.
1: Uh, Taylor Labine ad libbed the line, they hate my face. <laughs> Uh, towards the end of the movie, when Tucker and Dale are reminiscing about catching frogs at the Creek, Dale mentions that he used to lick them. Tyler Labine actually did lick a toad in a small role he had for the X files, uh, 14 years prior. Uh, the opening scenes on the road were shot during a thunderstorm. Sasha Craig and Brandon J. McLaren have both appeared in Power Rangers. Uh, Sasha portrayed Kelsey Winslow on Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue, and Brandon played Jack Landers on Power Rangers SPD. I didn't know there was that many Power Rangers shows. I'm sorry. Like, I checked it, out after the first set. It so. went
0: wild. And I'm sorry, but when I used to watch that as a kid, like, and I did watch all the shows, I don't know why. It's not that I, I enjoyed them, but I didn't. They were so cheaply put together. It was It was hilarious.
1: Um, they seemed like they were the Casablanca of, of, uh, TV shows when compared to like big, big, bad Beetleborgs. boards though. When that, when that show came on, I was like, okay, this genre done itself in, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then after, and finally after Tucker hit, hits the beehive with a chainsaw, he starts running and yeah. moving his arms in a parody homage to the Texas Chainsaw
0: Master. Dying, and of course the kids saw him looking like that. I thought yeah. this scene was hilarious, especially when the kid is running, thinking that they're running side by side. So it's not like they're like he's running from Tucker. But eventually you see him side by side and he's looking at him, which causes him to get impaled. He runs right into a huge tree branch. And then right before he dies, he notices, oh, fuck, he was running from bees because the bees are just yeah. right around yeah. one yeah, lands on the, his face.
1: Because the bee lands on like his face right before it flies away or whatever. As he's dying. So. Yeah um death holler awards uh what do you think about Allie as a final girl
0: uh I love how she was accidentally a final girl
1: I I like that I like that and I like the fact that she it's it's a nice change where she's actually friends with a quote-unquote slasher or whatever and, um, she was, she was one of the ones I like, which is the fun final girl. Like, I mean, she was at one point in time, like there, there's one point in the movie where one of the characters is talking about smoking some weed or something. She's like, Oh yeah, we'll have some fun later. Like she didn't care. Like, yeah. you know, nothing was off the table necessarily.
0: Real easy, easygoing, helping him dig a ditch. You know, she's gorgeous, but she obviously works on a farm or grew up on a farm,
1: you yeah. know,
0: uh, hilarious in that aspect. And then, like I said, They accidentally, like, uh... uh, Obviously, Chad was going to go crazy, so it's not like she fully, entirely accidentally became a final girl. But I wonder that she would have been a final girl if she had just thought that Dale was crazy and, you know, went with her friends, you know, if it took that kind of turn in the movie, (laughs) which it didn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if she would have stayed with the group, Chad, there's a chance he might have killed her because... Because he had an obsession with her, and you know, and anybody that the slasher has an obsession with, generally, I mean, sometimes they're the final girl, but a lot of times they're the ones that are, you know, right before the final girl. Like, they'll kill, like, who are the obsession with, they'll set them off on their path, and then the final girl will be the one to take them out.
0: Yeah. So,
1: uh, what about Chad as a slasher? He's kind of a proto-slasher. He's not really got there yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> He's just crazy. I mean, he's
1: half hillbilly, so yeah. that, He doesn't but... know
0: it. I, get, I think that's what really takes him out, which is fucking awesome. Uh, his obsession with the fact that he's, um, you know, he's against the Mexican, excuse me, the hillbillies, and then he finds out he's half Mexican. I mean, hillbilly. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, I love the fact that uh, he gets taken out by the fact that he's allergic to the stuff in chamomile tea.
0: Yes! <laughs> <laughs> looking like a half wiener, oh my god, or half burnt wiener at this point. I looking like how like
1: Freddy Krueger's half burnt wiener, yeah.
0: Yeah, I do like how he progressively got crazier and just crazier and crazier, even though they had a sit-down conversation and they thought everything was going well. <laughs> which was funny. I think the group therapy session they had, fucking awesome. You know, trying to yeah. work things out. And then they're like, oh, she's got Stockholm Syndrome, which is fucking Allie.
1: Yeah, which, I mean... They didn't wrongly misdiagnose her with Stockholm, but at the same time, like she, I I mean, they didn't know the situation that she was coming from either. So it's, it's, you know, and then of course they run in there and it's like, we're going to rescue you. And then they set fire to the place and it just goes to hell from there. Well,
0: explanations were avoided in this. They didn't give her the opportunity to explain anything, uh, You know, even Dale, when he was being attacked by her friends, he didn't explain thoroughly what was going on. Like, no one was explaining what they thought from their perspective, really. It was just like, oh, this is happening. They only addressed what had happened at the moment and not like, oh, this is what we think is what's happening or this is what we're witnessing. It's just, shit, your friends are killing themselves or they're acting crazy. And she's like, okay, I don't think my friends would do that. Like, I would understand why she would say that.
1: The sad thing is, though, isn't that like a statement on human nature when we yeah. get right down to it? Like, I mean, you know, Republican versus Democrat, you know, North versus South, East, West, whatever. It's like there. It's if you sat down and talked to the person, you could find common ground. But it's just like you get stuck in whatever you're talking about. It's like you're a Nazi or whatever term that they're going to use. And it's just like, okay, and you, you know, other them. And then there you go. And there's no talking to them at that point. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. Yeah. Um, what do you think the best kill was in the movie?
0: God, that is okay. That's hard because every kill was useful and like
1: had great effects. For the had most great part. effects,
0: yeah. But they were all possible. All possible kills. Accidentally yeah. falling into a wood chipper. Now that was a little bit dramatic. However, still possible. Uh, falling on a stake. Uh, not knowing that the beam of the house was loose and, and pushing that over, therefore getting another beam of nails in your head, you know, mm-hmm. all things that are, especially the gun one was hilarious.
1: Yeah. The too. gun one was, it's like, you told him what the safe, you, you caused that because like, oh. he was like, you, you've you got to work the safety on the side. And when he does, that's when the kid blows his face yeah, off.
0: Yeah. So. I don't know. Like, it, that's a tough one for me. I mean, the I guess I got to go with the wood chipper because it was the most gorgeous. I mean, you just, it's just puking out blood and guts on the other end.
1: It's hard to beat a wood chipper. And we'll get to this again when we cover Happy Death Day. One of the best scenes. I don't know. I, I can't remember if it's one or two, but one of the Happy Death Day movies when we do our next or, you know, a palate cleanser, uh, that one is, um, that one has a wood chipper scene and it's great. So, yeah. I mean, um and i like how they were
0: worried they're like are we gonna have to pay for this if they take this out of our deposit
1: (laughs) (laughs) i like the saw blade that was ninja starred into the neck i thought that was pretty good like i mean just you know chuck it and then it does its thing i mean there's a lot of utility in um just regular power tools and garden supplies that you know that gets overlooked i guess yeah uh the best scream of the movie i didn't really notice any i think chloe screamed quite a bit and she kind of stood out more to me so i'm gonna give like chloe the best scream of the movie because she stood out a little bit more
0: yeah i'm trying to think i didn't i the screams apparently are not my thing i'm telling you like i
1: Uh, well sometimes Sometimes they blend in. I mean, uh, like uh, intruder, like, th- like I said, she had like different ones. So she stood out like, yeah, she really worked on them. But like in this one, it was just kind of like an afterthought, yeah. you know, there wasn't really, <clears throat> uh, I did like that line with Chloe though, where she's like going the light up again. And that one guy walks up and he's like, you know, let's go to kill you. And she's like, I'm not really worried about that right now. Everybody's dying anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Um, best boobs has to go to Chloe. I mean, they it probably wouldn't went to her anyways. Cause if you, I mean, if you pay attention, I mean, she's, they're not bad, but like, I mean, she's the only one that shows them I yeah, think, in the movie she, that I saw.
0: She wins by default.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody else showed up to the, the election. So she won by default. <laughs> uh, how annoying is the doom prophet? Uh, the sheriff in this case, uh, I mean, he's not really annoying. He's kind of, I mean, he's kind of an interesting character because he's like, he tries to give Tucker and Dale the benefit of the doubt, but then like, you know, he's also trying to do his job. Like, you know, so he's, I mean, it's hard to, you know, fault the guy in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, is there, is there anything that stood out about him to you that, like, you know, I mean, because he didn't, like, belabor the point. He was just, like, you know, he told him that little cryptic line about, you know, like, it's a dangerous area or whatever he said. And then just, you know, and then kind of warned him to, about going up there, and that was it.
0: So. Yeah, I wouldn't say annoying. I would say, in general, because of the character he was, he was a little extra copy, but made bad decisions. Like, they gave him that strong cop vibe, you know, but... Also, I feel like a cop would have done something like called in for backup. You know, like I have these a bunch of distraught teenagers. I'm out here by myself. I'm about to walk into a house of, you know, the suspects right now. None of that was done. So that was like, that was sucky on his character's end because it made me dislike him. But I guess things worked out the way they worked out. So,
1: Yeah uh best side character i gotta give it to jangers the he's the good boy of the movie you know pitbull or whatever he was bulldog
0: he was adorable and he <laughs> he was a good little doggy actor he did everything he was supposed to do
1: <laughs> he was a cute little dog or whatever i like that scene where uh you know allie wakes up and she sees him and she's like all scared and dale's like oh no no he's the big teddy bear you know
0: <laughs> referencing <laughs> himself as well
1: yeah, that's yeah, that's true. It worked out for both of them that way. That description, uh, dumbest moment. Every scene with the college kids <laughs> is a dumb moment. I mean, they, they were trying to top each other with just dumb moments in this movie.
0: Uh, they succeeded, uh, and it's <laughs> not sad, but it's just hilarious because th- I think they were. It was. It was. What's his name's fault? Um, Chad. Because he was feeding them all this whole thing that he had them, like, all wound up off of everything. So they were just going off of that adrenaline, which caused them to accidentally be in a suicide pact.
1: Yeah, he was basically playing that character from Friday Part 2 that was, like, the head cap counselor that told him the story about yeah. Jason around the campfire. He was doing that, and he got them psyched out, and he, you know, he led into their fear. If he would have just shut his mouth, they would have probably been fine. But
0: Yeah, but obviously he had his own motives. And I guess it worked out to his benefit because if he would have succeeded, he absolutely could have blamed Tucker and Dale for those deaths. And no one would have believed them. It was looking real bad for them.
1: Yeah, he would have got he would have got them you know locked up for the crimes that he probably committed and also satiated his bloodlust at least for a little bit because he clearly was going toward that route. Like every like the moments he had with Allie right before it you know she you know got you know handed over in the, the movie sense to Tucker and Dale, Like he was being real creepy with her. Like he was giving off heavy like you know like he uh, rapist vibes at one point in the movie. So yeah. Uh, it would, it was going to go to a dark place if things hadn't happened. I mean, it went to dark places anyways, but it would have, he would have probably ended up killing everybody in, in his little circle and then blame Tucker and Dale for it. Just try to get revenge on quote, unquote, the hillbillies, you know, Yeah. That he felt like deserved it. Um, just what, what are your thoughts on the movie?
0: Oh my God. I loved this movie so much.
1: <laughs> I've not met anybody who hasn't loved this movie. It's just, if you like horror movies and you know, it's, it's hard not to like this one it's you've got i mean i think it, it it all comes down to the fact that the two main leads are very charismatic like yeah you care for both of them
0: oh absolutely i i was in love with dale that that's my man's right there uh <laughs> i was like he is just my type exactly um you know and he yeah <laughs> you said charismatic but it was so funny because I had intention of watching this film. And I just leave a lot of things to, okay, well, when we review it on Death Holler, which is so funny because my husband's like, well, I've been trying to get you to watch this forever. I do not. He gets me to try to watch Both of you, collectively, try to get me to watch a lot of films. And I'm stubborn. And it wasn't that I didn't want to watch this film. I knew I was going to get to it eventually. Um, I don't remember him trying to make me watch this film at all not this one any other film yes absolutely he tried to make me watch so he's like I've been trying to get you to watch that and now you're doing the show and I'm like well yeah I have to literally have to for the show <laughs> people are counting on me to watch this so I can give my review
1: yeah I mean it's it's one of those things where I I knew you would like it because like I said I, I don't know anybody who's ever watched this and if they I think that's a good like, way that i know if i can get along with a person is like it's a you know kind of like a litmus test in a way <laughs> it's like what do you think about tucker dale versus evil well, they sit and watch it's like i don't really like that it's like hmm, we can't uh, be friends we can't be friends sorry
0: <laughs> and this is another one of those uh, movies i watched while getting a tattoo uh pro tip do not watch horror comedies while getting tattooed because you'll giggle and then you'll wiggle <laughs> and that's not good <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I forgot how many times that I the, how funny the movie was until I rewatched it. I mean, I I've enjoyed it, but like just some of the stuff that they say in the movie and just the reactions they have are just great.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I had Candy in there watching it with me, uh, and even she was getting a kick out of it. She does not like horror films, so I think it's a nice little push into the genre, you know.
1: Yeah, that's, I, I like horror comedies for that reason. They, if somebody does outright doesn't like scary movies, I can, I can respect that. I mean, I don't like romance movies, So yeah. but just like, you know, how horror comedies can ease people into horror, romance, romantic comedies can sometimes, I'll be like, oh, that's not too bad. The comedy in it was kind of fun, you know, yeah. so, <laughs>
0: um,
1: but. You know, if somebody doesn't have a sense of humor, then I don't know what to tell you because you're not going to get along with them anyway.
0: (laughs) This movie had everything in it that I like in a horror film, specifically slasher, since we're in this season. Uh, Really amazing kills. Okay. I mean, you can, the kills were all so good. Uh, You had good boy Jangers. Gotta have a dog. And he survives. So there's that. Uh, You had Dale. He was adorable. Definitely, uh, my next future husband, future ex husband. <laughs> uh, the the um, the the um, final girl was a different type of final girl. So and it worked. It just worked so well. So I think that how they worked everything, how they worked the story, how they made her from her friend's perspective, looked like she was being taken advantage of. And on Tucker and Dale's side, we're like, we're trying to rescue this girl because they're fucking crazy, you know?
1: Yeah, and it was just kind of funny that both sides saw themselves as the heroes of the movie or whatever.
0: So, uh, and she was the poor person stuck in the middle. But either way, yeah, this movie had everything that I like to make it enjoyable, so...
1: Um anything else you want to add before we close this part of the episode down?
0: Uh no. I think I think that's it for me.
1: Well, join us next time for Freaky and with that, peace be with you.
0: And with your spirit. I don't know where the music is. Where is it? Not that one. <laughs>